Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download our free Living Truth app. Now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 40 called The Second Isaiah. So we're sitting at a restaurant this week and there we are, uh, Pastor John and we're having uh, breakfast as we like to do. And we prayed before we ate and we're talking about things of the spirit and there's a man right next to us. You could tell he's listening in. You know how sometimes if you're alone eating a meal, you're listening in. Well, turns out that he, he uh, works on motorcycles and we both rode our motorcycles up to this restaurant. So we had something in common. So we began to talk and he says, you know, he says, I'm an atheist. And I said, really? And so, yeah, he said, you know, I just, I have too much trouble believing. And so we began to talk about creation. So I, said, I began to ask him, where do you think the world came from and the complexity and all the, the millions of plants and animals and design and reproduction and self-healing of the body and your circulatory system and your eye? Do you think that just kind of came from nothing, from no design, nothing? And so he didn't know quite how to answer that. He said it might be easier to believe than not believe in one sense. But then he said it might be, for him, it's tough as an atheist, you know, because he's often misunderstood. And we had an interesting conversation, and we tried to answer every one of his objections. But finally, his answer was, maybe we just don't know enough to know where all this came from. So he claimed ignorance, but then he didn't say he's an agnostic, but rather he's an atheist. So I could give you all the details of the argument, but I will say this. uh, If you were to assess the argument, I think he lost because we had more evidence on our side. But anyway, he, he kind of just, you know, danced around some things and tried to be honest with other things. And so we were, he was getting ready to leave. And uh, we were going to pay our bill. And the waitress walks up and says, oh, uh, someone's paid your bill for you to Pastor John and I. And I looked, and there were some people that I know from the community who are Christians who walked in, they saw us eating, and they paid our bill. And I said to the atheist right before he was going to leave, you know, if you were a Christian... They would have paid your bill, too. You got a kick out of that. Stuff like that happens to me all the time. I know my Redeemer lives. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. Verse 15. And are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust, for God... Doing curls is like lifting up a piece of, an island is like lifting up a piece of fine dust. Even Lebanon, known for its cedars, for its trees, is not enough to burn, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. If you took all the cedars of Lebanon and all the animals within the forest and you burn them as a burnt offering unto God, that's not enough, says Isaiah in light of who he is. All the nations are nothing before him, 17. And you gotta, you gotta remember, They're in Babylonian captivity, and Babylon looks so huge and powerful. They're regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. New King James says worthless. This is a word used for the primeval chaos that was there when God made the world. Everything was uh, void and, and so forth, chaotic, if you will, and God brought order to it. Any life, any nation that doesn't know God ultimately will live a meaningless life. 
you will ultimately come to a point of chaos, worthlessness. You will say, is this all there is? We live for a little while and we die and that's it. He who dies with the most toys wins. I don't know what you win, but I guess you win something. See, blessed is the nation whose Lord, whose God is the Lord. And God says, to whom then will you liken God? What likeness will you compare with him? What will you do? What could you come up with in the creation made by a creator that would actually somehow depict him? As for the idol, here's what they do in Babylon. A craftsman casts it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, and a silversmith fashions chains of silver. The chains were meant so that your idol wouldn't fall down. And he who is too impoverished for such an offering, someone who's poorer, selects a tree that does not rot, and he seeks out a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. And then they go in the streets and say, my idol stands firmer than yours does. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Did that date me? Never mind. Anyway, it's one of these old toys that tottered, but it didn't fall down. See, your idol will be like you. That's the best it can do is reflect you and how much money you've got. Hey, come look at my idol. Now, we don't do this today. Well, maybe we do. But I'm not going to go there because this is about comfort. Verse 21. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood or discerned from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the vault. If you have an NAS, it says the circle of the earth. Some people believe that this points to the fact that in the book of Isaiah, written 700 years before Jesus ever lived, the Bible says that the earth is a circle. Though the, there was a period of time when the people said the earth was flat. The Bible didn't teach that. Some people believe the circle points to the uh, heavens or the atmosphere. I'll let you do a little homework on that, but... He sits above the vault of the earth, circle of the earth, and the inhabitants are like grasshoppers in God's sight, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Solomon said, how can the temple that I've built contain you? Will you really dwell on the earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you, much less this temple that I have built. 1 Kings 8.27 He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. 23, it is he who reduces rulers like Nebuchadnezzar to nothing. You remember what he did to Nebi? Caused him to eat some grass for seven years. Who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they planted 24. Scarcely have they been sown. Scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth. But God merely blows on them and they wither. And the storm carries them away like stubble. And then God says, to whom then will you liken me? That I should be as equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes, 26, on high, and see who created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number. I want you to see this, Bible students. He, God, calls them all by name. God has named every single star. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, Not one of them is missing. The Babylonians used to worship the stars, astral worship. They gave names to deities and the heavenlies. Even Israel was tempted to do this kind of thing. And it can be awe-inspiring when you look up on a starry night and you're actually somewhere where you can see the stars, right? And you go, wow, 
And the ancients used to say, those must be gods. And God said, no, they're not gods. They are stuff I made. Just so you'd go, wow, how big is God? Psalm 147 says, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. It is pleasant, and praise is becoming. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars, Psalm 137.4. He gives names to all of them. Great is our Lord. Abundant in strength, his understanding is infinite. The Lord supports the afflicted. He brings down the wicked to the ground. Of all the things I could say to you about the solar system, one writer says, our solar system is inside the galaxy called the Milky Way. The Milky Way is 104,000 light years across, containing just our galaxy, over 100 billion stars. To count each of them would take us over 3,000 years. And according to the latest probing of the Hubble Space Telescope, there are hundreds of billions of galaxies in God's universe. And there are over, I just said, 100 billion stars just in our galaxy. And God calls each one of them by name. Now here's the point. Do you think a God like that has forgotten you? Do you think a God like that doesn't know when you're in the hospital? Do you think a God like that doesn't know when you're hurting and crying and doubting and wondering? Do you think that he could lose track of you if he named all the stars? Do you see Isaiah's argument? Do you think he really doesn't know your name if he named all the stars? He knows my name. He knows my every thought. So why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, 27, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? We're almost done, but I want you to skip ahead to Isaiah 49 and see this beautiful connecting passage. Isaiah 49, 13. Shout for joy, O heavens, and rejoice, O earth, 49, 13. Break forth into joyful shouting, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, 14. And the Lord has forgotten me. And God says, can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget. Maybe a mother could do that. But I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Think of Jesus' wounds. Your walls are continually before me. God says, I'm not going to forget you. I love you. Go back and we'll finish it. Sometimes people think God is too great. Maybe he's dealing with too much up there to remember me and my petty little struggles and problems. But I read a writer this week who said, maybe we should think opposite. Maybe we should say God is too great to forget about me instead of saying he's too busy to remember me. And the final section, do you not know, 28, have you not heard? He's our sustainer as well, and this is the, the point of this section. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. Have you ever wondered if God gets tired of our prayers, our problems? 
God, I know you've heard this one a hundred times, but here it comes again. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Maybe he's dealing with too much up there to remember me and my petty little struggles and problems. But I read a writer this week who said, maybe we should think opposite. Maybe we should say God is too great to forget about me. Instead of saying he's too busy to remember me. And the final section, do you not know, 28, have you not heard? He's our sustainer as well. And this is the, the point of this section. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. Have you ever wondered if God gets tired of our prayers, our problems? God, I know you've heard this one a hundred times, but here it comes again. No, God doesn't get tired like we do. A third of our life is spent in bed trying to recoup our strength. For teenagers, it's more like a half. But anyway, we... (laughs) And we get tired. And we say that, and sometimes we don't say it out loud, but we know it. I'm tired. I'm weary. Life can get heavy. These words are powerful. They they speak of an emptiness of strength. They speak of weariness and lack of vigor. But he gives strength to the weary, 29. To those who fail under life's pressure, is that, that's the word weary. And to him who lacks might, that speaks of vigor or, or vitality. What does God do? He increases power. Though youth, sometimes we look at young people and we say, if I only had, I want some of that. Bottle that energy. Those of you who are grandparents, <laughs> you get the little toddler for an afternoon and you're done. It's like you got shot. I can't came up with this kid. And then sometimes we say, if you could bottle that, if I could have the wisdom I have today with the strength that I had years ago and combine that, not going to happen. One day it will. Even youths grow weary. They get tired too, though they're in the prime of life. Vigorous men stumble badly. Look, we all make mistakes. We get tired. Maybe you could think of Daniel and his friends in Babylonian captivity. Man, they, they certainly had their times of struggle. Yet, final verse. Those who wait, the NIV has hope, and the word has the idea of both. Those who wait or hope in the Lord, they will gain new strength. They will not just be able to drag themselves along, but notice they will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. J. Vernon McGee says, this reminds me of the black preacher down in my Southland who preached a very wonderful sermon in which he said, brethren, 
This church needs to walk. And one of the deacons says, amen. He continued, brethren, this church needs to run. And the deacon said, hallelujah. And then he said, brethren, this church needs to fly. He's preaching from this passage. And the deacon said, amen and hallelujah. And then the minister said, well, it's going to cost some money to make this church fly. To this, the deacon replied, let her walk. Let her walk. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber or sleep. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. This is Psalm 121. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. You will mount up. Some years ago, uh, Charles Stanley wrote a book called The Glorious Journey. I'm not sure if it's in that book that he recounts this, but he said that his ministry was flourishing and people were flocking to the church. He had a radio program, a television program, and he said his schedule, as much as it was glorifying to God, was just beginning to wear him down. He said he used to take a weekend and then after resting on Monday, he'd be ready to go back to work on Tuesday, but he said then he needed Monday and Tuesday to get back on Wednesday, and then he needed Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to get back on Thursday, and he was weary. So one night he had dinner with an elder in the church. The elder looked in his eyes and said, you better take a sabbatical right now. You are tired. You are going to implode. Well, Dr. Stanley brushed it aside, because after all, you're doing the work of the Lord, and I think the doctor's wife was there and she said, he's right. And this elder said, I'm going to the elder board and I'm going to demand that you get a six-month sabbatical. So Dr. Stanley said, man, it was very difficult for him. Y'all know you you run in this life at a certain mile per hour and then when you have to kind of disengage and downshift, it can be difficult even on vacation. What do I do with myself? I don't know how to relax anymore. (laughs) What do I do? It takes you a week to figure out how to relax. So he said he went on a sabbatical and at the urging of his friend and uh, he likes to take pictures. So he's out in the wilderness one day and he said he was taking pictures of this beautiful area and an eagle came flying by. And he said he just was kind of just struck by, it, it was just soaring on a windburst. And he snapped some pictures of it and then God spoke to his heart and said, do you see that eagle? That's what you need to do. You need to catch the wind of the Spirit and just let me carry you. You've been flapping your wings and making a lot of noise. But the life of the Spirit is to catch the wind burst and let him carry you. Now may the God of hope, Romans 15, 13, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope, listen to these words, final words, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you that you've given us this image of an eagle soaring. It's a great picture of the Christian life, walking, running, and soaring. It seems those can happen in different orders in our Christian walk. Sometimes we soar right out of the gate, and then we feel like we're slowing down. And sometimes we're we're walking and running and then soaring, and it can all happen in a, seems like in a day and maybe even in a moment. 
But your promise here is that you love us, that we will mount up with wings like eagles. That may not always mean that we're going to be conquering physically or dominating emotionally or spiritually, but what it will mean, I think, is what the Apostle Paul came to find out, that when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That when I feel like I don't have the resources to live, that's when your spirit comes in and breathes into my weakness, gives me strength to soar again. Lord, we know that in this life, we all have struggles and times when it seems like we're asking those deep questions. And I pray for the sweet, precious saints that are here today, those who may have had a week full, a year full, maybe a longer stretch full of these kinds of nagging struggles and questions. But though Israel spent 70 years in that captivity, yet when we get a glimpse of heaven, we know how you feel about us, how much you love us, and how you will, be, you will finish what you began in us. So my prayer is very simple. Would you comfort and strengthen your people with these words? May they go deep into our hearts, knowing us knowing that they are sure, steadfast, promises that will anchor our souls in the midst of stormy times. We love you. I ask that your spirit would wash over your people, strengthen and revitalize them, touch them with the healing and the strength that they need, God. In Jesus' name I ask. You've been listening to The Second Isaiah, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 40. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we'd love to connect with you. You can email or send Pastor Michael and the team here a letter. We love mail. You can get all the contact information at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. But our email address is contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And here's our mailing address. Are you ready? You can write Pastor Michael at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, if I were to give a bottom line in Isaiah chapter 40, and I'm going to. (laughs) I ask that as a question, but I'm going to give a summary of Isaiah chapter 40. Here's what it would be. And this is so precious. Here's what it says. Isaiah 40, verse 30. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Israel, at this point in time when this this was written, was a weary nation. Jesus came to a weary group of people when he arrived and said, Come to me, all you who labor, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This life, this world, even ministry can be wearying, especially when we try to do it in our own strength. Maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're a pastor, a church leader. Maybe you've been disappointed and hurt by the body of Christ. It happens. 
Maybe you are weary. Brother, sister, you're not alone. This can be a very wearing journey. But when you wait on the Lord or trust in the Lord, you will gain new strength. And my prayer for you is that you would just spread out your wings to use the image in Isaiah forty thirty one and catch the wind burst of the Holy Spirit and gain new strength. Hey, if we can pray for you, would you reach out to us through the website? You can send a prayer request through the website when you go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. This is Pastor Michael Lance. So excited that you're listening with us and partnering and doing everything in terms of a partner with this broadcast. We want to see it go all around the world. The Lord's opening exciting doors. If you'd like to partner with us or know more, walkintruth.com. God bless you. Have a tremendous weekend. Make sure that you're part of the church as you worship and serve the Lord with God's people. If at all possible, get there, be there, be part of it. And Lord willing, we'll see you either Sunday or Monday right here on Walk in Truth. God bless. Have a great weekend. And just a reminder that this is a listener-supported ministry. Would you consider becoming a partner for just $5 a month? We're blessed to know that the teachings reach thousands of listeners like you every weekday through our radio partners and through the podcast. We could use your help for the price of a cup of coffee. If you've learned something from Pastor Michael's teaching, or if you've been encouraged, please help others like you. Visit walkintruth.com to donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us on Monday for Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 41, which is written to the Gentiles. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.